Can we all rise and get into the Word? Let's read scriptures, starting from James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. Consider it all. Then in Isaiah 43, 1 to 3, now. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I am with you. When you pass through the streams, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not harm you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your deliverer. And in Romans 8, 28 to 29, our favorite, and we know and then the verse we looked at last week Philippians 2 5 to 8 adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus though he was in the form of God he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit but he emptied himself taking the form of a slave by becoming like human beings when he found himself in the form of a human he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross let's pray god thank you for your word thank you for the power of your word and this morning father our prayer is that you let your words just pierce our hearts. Let your words speak to us, Lord. Let your word change us from where we are today to who we are today to what you want us to be, conformed to the image and likeness of your Son. Lord, we want to focus on the most important thing today, the most important person, the most important being, and that is your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to blur everything around Jesus and make Jesus stand so clear in front of us because, Lord, without him, we will not even be standing here worshiping you, enjoying what we are supposed to enjoy as Christians. Help us to see that and understand that, Lord. If there's anything one thing that we will ever, ever see and, and really cherish in our hearts, it will be the Jesus in us, the Christ in us, that will make us the kind of person that you want us to be. Transform us today, Lord, and make us be conformed according to your word, your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. Please be seated. I would like to greet you Happy New Year again. Technically, it's still the new year. It's only January, what, 12. So we're barely starting, and I would like to uh, greet you again because many of us have not been here last week, so I just would like to greet you a new year because I want to set up the message again. When it's new year, what do people do? They make resolutions. <laughs> They make resolutions with the hope that with the resolution, 
they will become better people, right? You know, you make resolutions because we want to become better. But as you know, as we know, resolutions hardly work because we give them up so quickly and so easily. Now, so uh, I thought of not calling it a New Year's resolution for us Christians, but calling it a life resolution. What does that mean? It's the resolution that Ulrich and I will have for the rest of our lives. Okay? Ian, you're smiling. I know it's your birthday yesterday, but this is for you too. Okay? It's a resolution, meaning it's something that we as followers of Jesus Christ ought to have, ought to have forever and ever. In other words, we should be committed to this without fail for the rest of our lives. And what is that life resolution? I talked about this last week, and I'm going to talk about it again and, and, and dig deeper into it so that we really get the message about what God wants us to accomplish in our lives. The life resolution that I'm talking about here as a disciple of Christ. Are you a disciple of Christ? Say that again loudly, please. You are? Yes, you are. Daily, in fact, or year after year, if that's your time frame, is this. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, am I more Christ-like today? Today is January, okay, than before. Next month, I'm going to ask the same question again. Am I more Christ-like today in February 2014 as I have been before? And in what specific areas have I grown in Christ-likeness? You know, my wife and I have been blessed to really disciple couples. And these are, these are people who have matured in the faith. These are leaders in CCF Manila who have migrated to the different parts of North America. And, you know, my wife and I have been given the privilege to, to talk to them and encourage them and disciple them. And you know what? Even in their maturity, they're struggling. They're struggling. Because that's, that's our nature. If we are not discipled, if nobody is, is alongside us to guide us, to sharpen us, to push us, to remind us of who we are, and we will falter. And you know what? After each session that we have with these people, we are just so excited because we know that we'll be there to hold one another up, to push each other precisely to become more and more Christ-like. And what I discovered is this. The more Christ-like you become, the better person you become. Yeah, you're nodding because you know that's a secret. The more Christ-like you become, the better person you become. Now, the question is, are you becoming more Christ-like or is it the other way around? You're in fact, you're becoming more of your old self again. You know, what will prevent that from happening? Discipleship. Discipleship. That's why last week, what did I ask you to do? And I hope you still remember your number. What's your sleep number? That's what the, tele the television says, right? And I'm going to ask you, what is your Christ-like number? Okay, I, want, I would like you to rate yourself. Scale of 1 to 10. 1 being so unchristlike. Then being most Christ-like, where are you today? And you know what? If you're honest about it, don't get embarrassed with your numbers. If you're a two, great. You have eight to go, right? If you are a ten, like not, then, you know, you have a problem, okay? <laughs> Maybe you have to stretch that to 11, right? 
you know, Nat is the most Christ-like person here. That's why we appointed him to be the usher. <laughs> Can you imagine if you don't see a Christ-like person welcoming you? Welcome. <laughs> this is CCF. Sit down. Okay. No, come on. Okay, Christ-likeness is so, so, so important. Why? Why this life resolution of being Christ-like? Because that's what we are about. We are CCFLA. We are about discipleship. And we have defined disciples disciple, as a disciple as what? A disciple is a believer of Jesus Christ. Who is what? In a lifelong process. When I say lifelong, I mean life. Look at me, Alvin. You're stuck with me forever. Okay? You're stuck with me forever. Look at me. Okay. I'm going to haunt you for the rest of your lives. Because discipleship is a lifelong process. And if you're not in one right now, and you don't know what I'm talking about, please see us. Because this is the key to making us the kind of Christians that will impact the world. A disciple is a person who is in a lifelong process of what? Being built up in the faith towards what? Christ-likeness. That's all that God wants us to be. He saved you and me for the purpose of becoming more and more like Christ. If that's not happening, there's something wrong. We are missing the point. Christ-likeness. 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 God created, God designed you and me for what? Big Christ-likeness, okay? Christ-likeness. I'm going to sound like a broken record here. Christ-likeness. And then last week, we showed you this, this, this quote from John Calvin, and I hope it shakes you up again. John Calvin says, all who are ignorant of the purpose for which they are, for which, sorry, they live, are fools and madmen. And if you don't know the reason why you are surviving, and you're just surviving for survival's sake, come on. Calvin said, whose phone's that? Okay. Uh, please turn it off, okay, or put it on silent. John Calvin says, you're a fool and a madman. As painful as it is, it is what it is, right? If you don't know the purpose for which you live, you have a problem. Some people live for the world. Some people live for their children. Some people just work their, their life out for the purpose of what? Raising kids. That's, that's okay, as long as you know, right? But, but, but what God is saying, hey, you know, in the range of what's happening in the world today, there is one important purpose that I have for you. Okay, and I want you to get that. Because if you don't get that, you will be going all over the place. What I mean is this. <clears throat> Not knowing the purpose for which you were created by the maker, maker will result in what? If you don't know what God created you and saved you for, what will happen to you? You will end up pursuing other purposes, yes or no? Right? It's so natural. When you get to America, oh, the life of what? Life flowing with milk and honey, right? You're supposed 
you know, you're supposed to be rich in America. You're supposed to pursue and get all of those material things. You know, the next thing you know, you're so swallowed by the system and you're already doing what everybody else is doing. That's why we need to be reminded. What will happen is this. It will lead you to a purpose, something other than what God wants you to do, leading you to use your life, your life for a wrong purpose altogether. Remember the example I gave you? If you use your iPhone to drive a nail against the wall, right, it will destroy the iPhone, right? Or the other example I gave you is if you use a vacuum cleaner to dry your hair, something is going to give, okay? In other words, I'm exaggerating. I'm doing all of these crazy examples just to bring home the point that if you use something for the wrong purpose, that something will be destroyed, right? What happens when you are used for a purpose other than you were designed for? You will malfunction. You will malfunction. You will eventually be destroyed. You will cause other complications and collateral damages. You know, just look, look around you. Look around you. There are so many people today who have no clue what's going on with their lives. They come to church. They go to Bible studies. But they live a life of quiet desperation because they don't know. They have no idea. Is this all there is? Be born, grow, study, work, and then die? Well, for us, there is gold in the middle, right? But you still die, right? Is that all there is to life? That's why the philosophy of other people, because nobody is telling them what the real purpose of life is, is what? Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow, you die. You know, wow, how sad and tragic. You know, at the end of your life, especially at, if you're at my age, <laughs> you know, 60 this year. Ooh, I have more years behind me than ahead of me. Okay, you know, I have, I, have big, I have come up with a conclusion that, Lord, I just want to thank you that I know what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life. I now know. And you know what? It gives me confidence. It, give me, it gives me satisfaction. Can you imagine if I'm 60 and I don't even know what's going on with my life and I have like 10 years left? I'll be pathetic. It will be a tragedy. And you know what? If you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, you will be destroyed and you will have collateral damages with you. For example, if you're so selfish and you don't know, and you were created only to satisfy yourself, Cleveland, right? You know, yeah? You know, you get married to a beautiful Filipina, right? But you're so selfish and you think that your purpose is just to be happy, what do you do? If you're no longer happy with that woman, you're going to move on. Leave her because your purpose is different. It's for yourself, right? And what happens to the woman when you leave the woman behind? Collateral damage, right? You destroy people with you as you pursue wrong purposes. Am I making sense? But if you pursue the right purpose, believe me, you and I will become a blessing. So what is the maker's purpose for us? I'm just reviewing last week's message, actually, for those of you who are here. The purpose of the maker for us is very simple. It's found in Romans 8, 28. 
for those whom God, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be what? To be conformed to the image and likeness of His Son. Again, what's the word? Christ likeness. So that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. And then another, another verse, another Bible verse, Colossians 1.28. He is the one we proclaim, says the Apostle Paul, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone, that's you and me, what? Fully mature in Christ. So, rate yourself, scale of 1 to 10, where are you when it comes to your maturity, when it comes to your Christ-likeness? Whatever that number is, my prayer for all of us, listen, my prayer for all of us is that number will go from where it is all the way up to 10 until we're face to face with God. I hope that that will be the consuming passion that you guys will have. And that is what? Christ-likeness. The question I asked last week and the question that I ask again to you this morning, oops, what happened? Who did that? Huh? Really? Or is God playing tricks with me? Because I'm saying the wrong things already. No, 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 no. Christ's likeness. Are you? Will you? I'm sure many of you are sure seated down there. You would love to, right? I, I want to be Christ-like, Lord. But you know, I always end up waylaid, sidetracked, and I can't pursue what God wants me to do when it comes to Christ's likeness. You know? Don't worry. We're all exposed to two reasons for that. The two reasons why we, we cannot sustain what we start is, number one, we lack intentionality. We, 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 we don't have a strong motivation to pursue it, right? And then number two, we lack the power. We depend on our own power, and soon it fades out. You know, what's one thing that you are so passionate to do? I'm sure you have one. If it's to pursue a career, if it's to pursue a business, or if it's to pursue a person, right? Aren't you so consumed by it? You're so consumed by it, you won't stop until you get it. Why can't we do the same thing when it comes to Christ-likeness? Because we don't understand how beautiful, how, how desirable Christ-likeness is. We have an idea, the word, Christ-like, but you know what? They always say, ang hirap niyan. That's so difficult. You know, the people that we counsel, the people that we disciple week after week, if we tell them to be Christ-like and explain to them what Christ-likeness means, they end up saying, that's hard. That's impossible. How can you expect me to like that? See, that's the problem. We, we as leaders are not explaining it to you in such a way that you will desire it and that you will like it. And it's my prayer for as long as I can stand here and explain that to you, I will desire and I will, en I will, I will endeavor to explain Christ's likeness to you in a way that you will like it and enjoy it. Because when that happens, then we will go together towards that objective of becoming more and more like Christ. What's the solution? The solution to address these two problems is the reverse. Exactly, I said, enjoy your Christ-likeness. 
That may not sound appealing to you at this point. It may sound theoretical to you. But my prayer is as we go through this series of messages, you'll begin to say, yes, Danny, I understand now. And I'm beginning to like Christ-likeness, and I'm beginning to enjoy it. Okay? Is that a fair objective for us to pursue, guys? Say amen to that. Amen. Enjoy Christ-likeness. Because if you enjoy Christ-likeness, you will be intentional. And then if you enjoy Christ-likeness, believe me, you will have the power beyond you to be able to deliver this. You know, the life, the life without intention will be a life full of Christ. Christ is an acrostic. I talked about this last week. And the lack of power will be a, a life powered by a superpower called the Holy Spirit. So I'll go straight into it. I will develop a series of messages on this one, and this morning we'll begin with the first. Enjoy your Christ-likeness. I said, a life full of Christ, based on Philippians 2, 3 to 16. And I said, Christ, acrostic. C stands for what? Conquest and victory over trials. H stands for hope in this hopeless world. R for rejoicing in the midst of trials and drought. And I, inspiration for others. S, success and T, thankfulness. This morning, I'd like to talk about, I'd like to talk about the conquest, victory over trials. And that's what I would like you to enjoy, why I would like you to enjoy your Christ-likeness. And during all of this time, we will have a superpower that will allow us to implement all of this, and that is the Holy Spirit, because you have the Holy Spirit already in you, whether you like it or not. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then perhaps you don't know Jesus Christ yet. Perhaps you don't have a working relationship or a loving relationship with Jesus Christ yet. And I hope that after this message, you will be so convicted or motivated to really seek out Jesus and accept him as your personal Savior and Lord so that this power, this Holy Spirit will be in you as well. Let me get into the message this morning. Enjoy your Christ-likeness because you will have conquest over trials. You like that? Tell me you like that. Conquest over trials. You know, the joy... Every time you conquer, every time you're victorious, every time you sink that last spot and you win everything, man, that's what it means to wear the green jacket or to get the trophy five times when your color blue and the Ateneo won five times, okay? Nobody's relating, okay? They're saying boo. There are so many Lasalites here in this place, okay? So many Lasalistas here, okay? Never mind, I will cancel that, okay? <laughs> Let's just talk about the joy of the victory, the joy of victory over trials. Let me ask you, Deng, do you have trials? You do? No way. Christians are not supposed to have trials? Oh, wrong, okay? Do you have trials? Really? Dictionary defines trial as this. Subjection to suffering or grievous experiences. Aray ko po. Distressed or painful state. You like it? It's beginning to sound good, right, Alex? <laughs> An affliction or trouble. All right. Oh, talk to me about that. She's sitting beside me, okay? He's sitting beside me, okay? Trying and distressing or annoying thing or person. George? Okay. You can be a trial, George. 
Can you imagine that? Ooh, how many of you have this bumper sticker in your car? I love trials. Man, you must be nuts, right? I love trials. Oh, man, I love trials. I don't. I don't. What? Oh, if you're a lawyer, oh, man. Mr. Philosopher. Okay, Philosopher. You know, I don't like trials. I, I will enjoy my life if I will remove and can remove all of my trials. Right? You know why? Because trials, if you really look, if you really look deeper, trials devastate, destroy people. And you know what? Unfortunately, even Christians. Well, if you're a true Christian, you're supposed to know the secret. You can overcome trials. That's precisely it. Because we don't go into discipleship and we're not strengthened enough to be able to know what we need to know. We falter in the face of trials. It can devastate. It can destroy. Betrayal. Unfaithfulness of spouse. Crippling terminal illness. You have cancer. Ooh. Death of loved ones. You lose your job. And then you lose your house. And then you're declaring bankruptcy the next thing you know. Or you're being discriminated at work because you are not mestizo like me. Okay. Addiction, vices, drugs. You don't know what's hitting you. Or disaster like Yolanda or the 9-11. It will just cripple you, right? And they can destroy. You know, for many people, for many, enjoy or joy means absence of trials. You agree? You know? They do not like to sacrifice. They do not like to have difficult time. They just want to get rid of all of those things that bug them down. You know, there's this woman who took her husband to the doctor's office. You know, and, and uh, after, after the checkup, the doctor said to the, to the couple, your husband is suffering from a very, very serious infection. And um, the husband was hard of hearing. So... He asked the wife, what did the doctor say? And the wife said, he said, you're very sick and you have an infection. And then the doctor went on and addressed the couple. But you know what? He said, there's hope. There's hope. You just need to reduce his stress. That's what the doctor said. And then, and then he explained to the wife, when I, say, when I say reduce the stress, you need to each morning, give him a healthy breakfast, you know, treat him well. And then be pleasant, nice, and kind to him. And for lunch and dinner, make him his favorite meal, okay? Wilma, make his favorite meal, okay? June, don't discuss your problems with him. It will only make his stress worse, okay? The wife was listening and the husband was listening too. Don't yell at him or argue with him. Most importantly, just cater to your husband's every whim. Oh, okay. If you can do this for your husband for the next six months, 
to a year, I think your husband will have a complete recovery. And then the husband was still hard of hearing. And the husband said, what did the doctor say? And then the wife said, he said, you're sick and you're going to die. She doesn't want trials. She doesn't want to go through hardship and sacrifice. That's why, you know, that's the definition of most people when it comes to trials. I do not like to go through difficult times. But you know what? Let me tell you this. Trials are inevitable. When I say inevitable, they are going to happen whether you like it or else. <laughs> They're going to come. They will come. Not a matter of if, but it's a matter of what? When they come. And as we speak right now, many of you are probably going through one already. And you know what? The message, this message is for you. You can conquer trials. You can conquer trials because of your Christ-likeness. And because of that, you can enjoy being Christ-like. And I want you to enjoy being Christ-like because trials have no match against Christ-likeness. That's the message. They are inevitable. No exemption. You and me will go through it. Part of the package when we were created. I know you're wondering, wow, really? Will I not escape it? No. There's a reason why you have to go through trials. Young ladies, you will have trials too. Tomorrow you don't know what to wear. That's a trial. <laughs> oh. Peter, you don't know what to eat tomorrow. Boy. But trials can be conquered. Trials can be conquered. Now, if you can be assured, listen, if you can be assured that you can conquer and actually have joy in trials through Christ's likeness, ayos ba? You're supposed to say, ayos? You're supposed to say, ayos. Asan si Layden? Layden, asan ka? Ayos ba? She'll say, ayos. So, if I can assure you that you can conquer trial, I'm not me, but God, actually have joy in trials through Christ-likeness. Ayos ba? Galing. Galing. Okay. Then you can enjoy your Christ-likeness. Guys, you can conquer trials. How? Not by removing them. Not by ignoring them or running away from them. No, that's not going to happen. Because you, they, will, they will follow you. They will be there. But you can conquer trials by facing and dealing, them, dealing with them with a consideration, meaning with an attitude. Okay? You can handle trials. See, he's already having a trial right there. Okay. Uh, an attitude resulting in trials working for you rather than against you. When you see the word consider, what does it mean? It means think carefully about something. Okay? When it comes to trials, 
you can face them and deal them with a consideration, with an attitude so that it will work for you rather than against you. Look at, look at what, what, what Hebrews is saying about Jesus. And you tell me if Jesus is coming from a mindset or an attitude that will allow him to handle trials. In Hebrews 12.2, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Look at this. Who? For the joy set before him. What? What happened? Endured the cross. Can you imagine what Jesus went through? He knew he was going to be crucified. He knew he was going to be punished for the sins that he did not commit because he wanted to do his mission to save you and me. But before he went to it, look at him. It said, for the joy set before him. He was seeing something that we guys can't see so that he was able to go through the crucifixion and the suffering that he went through. What did he see? You know, if you have time, you look at the succeeding verse. It says, he saw that after he was going to be crucified, he was going to rise again from the dead, and he's going to sit at the right hand of the Father to be King and Lord of Lord forever. If you are Jesus, can you go through pain and suffering like that? Of course, because there's a joy set before me. Kaya ko to, you know? He has what? The attitude, the right consideration when he was confronted with a trial. No wonder the Apostle Paul says to us now, to us, he says, consider it all joy. What? Brothers and sisters, my brethren, when you what? Encounter various trials. He didn't say if you encounter. He said when you encounter because whether you like it or not, folks, trials are inevitable, and we will go through it. Question is, will it pull you down, or will you use it in your favor so that you will enjoy your Christ-likeness? I hope it's enjoying your Christ-likeness because you will conquer trials. Carefully think about trials, their purpose. Think about what they can do for you, if you deal with them correctly, they will result in joy. That's what the Bible is saying. They're nothing but cheerfulness and gladness if you take a look at it from the right perspective. All right? Consider. Be aware of it. The blow that you don't see coming can really devastate you. You know what, what, what killed Manny Pacquiao? <laughs> you know, he didn't see. That, 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 that right uppercut almost or hook, okay, that really got him. He didn't see it. And that really got him down. But you know, if you know, if you expect the blows are coming, you can deal with them properly. Yes or no? It will not kill you. If, especially if you, have, if you have the right mindset and consideration. The point is this. Consider and know What? The trials are joys. Wow. Say that to each other. Trials are joys. Trials are joy. Trials are joy. 
because you don't see it yet. The moment you start seeing it and feeling it, then you will begin to say, you can actually rejoice when trials come. Why so? How so? Let me explain. Conquer trials. Not by feeling it. Because the moment you feel trials, ang hirap, ang sakit, bakit ako? You know, You feel sorry because you're feeling it. You know? Bakit hindi siya? You feel miserable because you what? You're emoting and you're trying to really say, poor me. You will, ne you will never overcome trials with that kind of a mindset because you're feeling them. The Bible says in James 2, did he say, feel, brethren? No, he said, consider. Consider it joy, brethren. Meaning, think. No, it, it involves the mind, not the heart at this point. You know, when you consider, when you want to conquer trials, don't feel and be, be trapped by the feelings that the trials bring in your life. They will bring feelings, but don't get trapped there. Think about knowing the joys that go with the trials. Consideration number one. Here's what you're supposed to know. There are four, at least four. Not exhaustive, but four major ones. Number one, trials can build you up instead of destroying you. Really? Yeah. That's the reason why God is bringing you to go through trials. Why? Because he wants you to grow in Christ's likeness and build you up. If he doesn't care for you, he will just let you be a robot untouched by anything. You know, Scientists, scientists, or you know what? Do, what do you call those people who take care of, of animals? Bet, 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 vertigators. <laughs> you know, they 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 have this term called adaptability factor. Okay, you know, they discovered that animals and whatever human beings included, I guess, they become stronger if they're exposed to adversity. Okay, that's what you call adaptability factor. You know, the more you are exposed to, to adverse things, the stronger you become. What doesn't kill you will make you strong. That's what Ulrich said. Okay? Are you talking about Bev or what? <laughs> All right. Okay. Number one, trials can actually build you up instead of destroy you. Here's the verse. Romans 5, 3 to 4. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Imagine exalt in our tribulations. Hajun, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. Do you see the buildup? Right? That's why you're supposed to enjoy when you are exposed to trials, because that's going to make you stronger. Those of you who suffer through, let's say, a divorce, and you know what it means to be hurt by it, and you've overcome it. The next time you are face to face with it, you know what to do, and you know how to help other people. That makes you strong. James 1, 2 to 4, consider it all joy. This is the verse we read, right? It says, my brethren, when you encounter, when you encounter various trials, knowing, see, consider, think, and then know, indeed say feel, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Oh, so when you're having trials, 
It is your faith that's being tested. Oh, because the Christian life is all about faith. So, if it's all about faith and you're a Christian, then how can we on earth strengthen and prove your faith to be faithful? When you have trials, right? That's why God says, consider it joy. Because when you encounter various trials and then you know how to handle it because you can consider it, you can see the picture that's going to happen after it, then you will be joyful because it will prove that your faith is real. And faith, which is real, produces endurance. And let endurance, verse 4, have its perfect result that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Wow, look at the person beside you. Say, hey, perfect. Okay. And before that, hey, trials. Okay. Hey, perfect. And trial and tawag, sabay-sabay. Guys, consideration number one. Trials can build up the believer. Okay? And that's what I would like you to know. The next time you're face-to-face with a trial, I don't know what that will be. Smile and say, ah, this will be build-up time. Wow. Right? Consideration number two. Why you can conquer trials and why you can enjoy your Christ-likeness. Trials handled Christ-like pleases, glorifies, and honors God. 1 Peter 1, 6-7. In this, you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that, the, so that the proof of your faith, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Christ. If you handle trials and you conquer them, it will honor God. It will please God. And you can only conquer them by considering, by thinking the Christ-like way. No other way. That's why our life resolution is, are you more Christ-like today than you were yesterday? What's your Christ-like number? If it's low, bring it high. The higher that number, the more able you are to conquer trials. And you cannot bring it to where you are right now, to where you want it to be, without discipleship, in all honesty. You cannot make it by just attending Bible studies. You cannot make the number go to a higher number by just attending Sunday and listening to a preaching like this. No, it's not going to happen. It may, but it's not going to happen. How will it happen, Danny? If you find someone to be accountable with, to disciple you, and to mentor you. If you're here right now, and you're seated here, nobody's discipling you, please say, stop this. I want, I want to grow in Christ-likeness, and I mean it. If the motivation is only to overcome trials and I want to be victorious, so be it. Start, start, start there. At least you'll start somewhere. You cannot become Christ-like by reading books. It will help. But you can become Christ-like only when you're face-to-face, rubbing each other, pushing each other, and helping you grow in Christ-likeness. You know, I appreciate my brother Ulrich. 
Really, seriously. You know, we were playing golf in Alhambra one, one time. And, you know, there was this, it was already getting dark. We're running out of time. And there was this guy with his son, okay, who cut into our, into our fairway. And then they started to make us wait. And they were very slow. And this pastor was supposed to be Christ-like, was started to, I want to I wanna go get there. And then he said, oh, pastor, pastor, pastor. Yung Christ-likeness mo, nawawala. Okay, sabi niya, okay. You see, that's the effect of discipleship. You know, he may not have known it, but that's exactly what discipleship is all about. At that point, I was losing it. But at one point, he will also lose it, and I'm going to tell it to him. That's what discipleship is all about. Who's telling you when you're losing it? Yourself? When you look at yourself in the mirror and say, Guapo? <laughs> I have it all complete, man. Okay? Man, that's not going to work. Somebody's got to tell you. Right? Consideration number three. Your trials handled Christ-like will help others in their trials. Yes or no? Right? Look at this. Luke 22, 31 to 32. Simon, Simon, that means Peter. Behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you... And so, and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Right? What do you mean sift? Sift is, is to separate, to examine closely, to scrutinize, and to determine what one person is made of. You know how you determine what the person is made of? Trials. Right? Trials. Are you made up of the right thing? Are you a Seiko wallet? Seiko, Seiko wallet. Ang wallet na maswerte. Balat nito ay genuine. Okay? Diba? Ganun eh. Diba? If you are sifted, if you are sifted, Susan, why are you embarrassed? Can't you allow your pastor to sing every once in a while? Come on, guys. Wallet na maswerte. Genuine. Genuine pa, hindi genuine, eh, no? So, are you made of the right stuff, guys? The only way that people can find out if you're made of the right stuff is what? When you go through trials and you handle trials well. But if you don't, sorry. Your wallet is not genuine. Okay. <clears throat> I say, sorry, look, 22, 31 to 32. Sorry, consideration number four, I missed that. In your trials, Jesus and the Father are with you to deliver you. I like that. You know, in your trials, if you consider, if you know for a fact that God is with you, He will not leave you and He will be there to help you Man, you can overcome them. Look at what, in the same verse, in the same verse where, you know, uh, uh, Peter was being sifted. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you, to send trials to you, to prove what you're worth. Like wheat, Jesus said. And then, what did Jesus say? I have prayed for you that your faith may fail. You know? Uh, sorry, may not fail, okay? Can you imagine if you were Peter, 
And then, Lord, why, 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 why are you just praying for me? Just be with me. It's enough. Why, why is Jesus saying, I'm praying for you? You know what? Because he's testing your faith. He's testing your faith. And then, the idea that a big God is with you during those times of troubles is something that you really want to know at that point when you're facing a trial. Isaiah 43.13. Many people have memorized this verse because they love it, because it's a picture of God's faithfulness. Now, this is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid, for I will protect you. I call you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I am with you. When you pass through the streams, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Wow, isn't this great? The flames will not harm you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your deliverer. Can you face trial if you have a God like this with you? But remember, if you're not a Christian, you don't have a deliverer. No wonder so many people go out there and face trials and be devastated because they don't have anything to hang on to. They don't have consideration one. They don't have consideration two, consideration three, and worse, they don't even have consideration four because they don't have a God who's with them to deliver them from all of those things. And here we are, Christians. We have everything to consider and know that we can conquer trials because our God will see to it. That's why I like this verse, Romans 8, 28. For we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. The good things that God has planned for you will never happen. You will never taste it. You will never see it. You will never enjoy it unless you're doing His purpose. And that purpose is Christ-likeness. Christ's likeness. It's very simple. He saved you to become more and more like Christ. And that's not going to happen if you don't allow other people to tell you and rub you and push you and sharpen you through discipleship. Growing like Christ. You see, if you go to CCF, you will, you will see everything about being Christ-like because that's what who we are and who we will be. Enjoy your Christ-likeness. Conquer your trials. Enjoy your Christ-likeness. Conquer your trials. But exactly, exactly how does Christ-likeness allow us to conquer trials? You may be asking. Oh, you've been telling me, Danny, all this time, Christ-likeness will conquer trials. But how exactly does it work? How exactly can, can, can I conquer trials by having a mind or a consideration that will see joy in them, will see deliverance in them, We'll see perfection of our character to become the kind of, of, of Christ-like person we want to be, to have the pleasure of God and to work out things so that they will be altogether good. How, how, how will that work? First and foremost, I want you to know this. You, you, and I mean all of you here who are a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, you, you have the mind of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit, and you have Jesus Christ in you. That's the most important thing. 
That's the reason why you can go through anything because you have the Holy Spirit, you have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 to 16. Spiritual people comprehend everything, and that's you and me. I repeat, that's you and me. Spiritual people comprehend everything, but they themselves aren't understood by anyone. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who will advise him? And then he says, but we have the mind of Christ. You know, as we look at each other, we have all the resource in the world to make a difference in this world. Yes? We have the Holy Spirit. We have Christ in us. We have a relationship with the most powerful being in the universe. And then, most of all, He gave us a mind, a mind of His Son, Jesus Christ. To think like His Son. To act like His Son. To behave like His Son. And you know what, guys? This is only possible because of the finished work of Christ and Christ alone on the cross. If there's one thing that you will remember about the centrality of this message is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the reason for all of the things that we are enjoying. If he did not die on that cross, if he did not love you enough to give his life for you, this is meaningless. It's not going to happen. The finished work of Christ. The, I want you to just meditate on the greatness, the goodness, and the sovereign power of Christ. Without Him, this is nothing. Every time you sing songs about Jesus, I hope your heart is stirred. I hope that you will see the centrality of Christ in the things that we're seeing today. Trials essentially are what? How can Christ-likeness work? If you're still not clear about it, I hope this will. Trials essentially are what? You know what trials are? If you really look down at the very bottom, they are something that will violate your comfort zone. Yes or no? You're very comfortable. You're there. Everything is okay. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're shaken up. What? By a trial. You know, you're driving carefully, then somebody hits you on the side. You're thrown off. That's trial. It's, it violates your comfort zone. It violates yourself. You know, yourself meaning I want to be in control. I don't want people messing up with me. Okay? That's a trial. Right? You have to understand what trial is so that you will understand how Christ-likeness will attack it. You understand what I'm saying? Trials violate my comfort zone. Trials violate my pride. Are you kidding me? That's my son. That's my wife. That's my house. That's my car. How dare you tamper with it and, and mess, make a mess out of it. Right? I made that. This is my career. I've been here for 25 years. How long have you been in this company? And you're telling me what to do? Oh, 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 okay. You know, you see, everything boils down to what? To pride and selfishness. Trials shake you up as far as this is concerned. They shake you up, right? They expose your inabilities, right? Those are trials. They're not good. I don't like them. Because what? You're full of yourself because you're full of pride. Trials run against my selfishness and my pride. And you know what Christ-likeness will do? With my identity in Christ and by growing in Christ-likeness, there is nothing that trials can shake or attack because selfishness and pride have been replaced by Christ-likeness. Amen? You understand what I'm saying? What's there for you to complain? 
Selfishness and pride are gone when you're Christ-like. Really? I've talked about this last week. This is Christ-likeness. This is the verse and the passage that talks about Christ-likeness. Philippians chapter 2, particularly verse 3, all the way up to 8. Look at verse 3. The passage is talking about imitating Christ and being Christ-like. And this is the passage that will tell you what Christ-likeness is. It says, don't do anything from selfish purposes, but with humility, think of the others better than yourself. Oops. What is that? That is what you call selflessness. Right? Verse 4. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out what is better for the others. You see the difference? You know? Tomorrow we will have the opportunity to play golf again. Okay? Sorry for you guys. You're working. You know? hmm. Tomorrow I will have the opportunity to think of the other person as more important than myself. Okay? Does that mean that I will make them win? I don't know about that. But if God will speak to me and tell me, do your best. But if you lose when you do your best, it's okay. Because they really are good people anyway. Ah, but we, you know. Okay. Meaning what? Be humble. Tomorrow you'll go to work. Tomorrow you go to school. Tomorrow you will do your own useful thing. Will there be an opportunity for you to be selfless and regard the other person as more important than yourself? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. There is. Is there an opportunity for you to humble when you're faced by a trial? Yes. That's Christ-likeness. That's being like Christ. And then he didn't stop there. Adopt the attitude was, which was in Christ Jesus, he said. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit. What's that? That's selflessness, isn't it? That's humility. I am God. I am Jesus. But Jesus said, no, it's okay. I'll be like you. I'll be a man. I'll be as weak as you are. Wow, that's humility. And then he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Ooh, that's being selfless. And then I, I, I lump it all together. And last week I said, Christ-likeness is selfless humility to the point of death. You have not even died being humble. You have not even sacrificed to a point of, you know, I am already almost dying because of my selflessness. No, you're not even there yet. You haven't even started. And here is Jesus who gave up everything to the point of death. What more for us if we call ourselves followers of Christ? I beg you, if you want to conquer trials, be selfless, be humble to the point of death because trials will not affect you at all if you're like this. Enjoy your Christ-likeness. Enjoy your Christ-likeness. A life full of Christ. A life powered by the superpower. A life, a life that is described as a life conquering victory. Conquering and, conquering and having victory over trials. And that's our first message for enjoying your Christ-likeness. When I get the opportunity to go and preach again, I will talk about H, and then I'll talk about R, 
I'll talk about I, S, and T. God knows when. Next week, I'm going to the Philippines. I'm going to uh, join the leadership training. I'm going to attend the missions conference, and hopefully we will learn something. Romy and Susan Guevara will be with me, okay? They paid for their own fare, okay? Um, that's how rich they are, okay? Uh, CCF paid for my fare, okay, because they want me there, <laughs> okay? So I will learn something, and hopefully I'll be able to share that with you when we come back, because our objective is to develop leaders who will develop leaders as well, okay? Thank you so much for really understanding what it means to enjoy your Christ-likeness by conquering your trial. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this message. We are confronted with trials left and right in our lives. They're inevitable, inevitable. But Lord, thank you that you've given us the mind of Christ so that we can consider them to a point where it will be to our advantage, for them to work for our development, for them to work to build us up, for them to glorify you and honor you, for them, Lord, to be able to help other people because with our experience, we will be able to do that. And Lord, I, I just want to thank you for all of this. And today I pray that you will give us, you will give me a different heart, a different set of eyes to be able to take a look at trials in a different way. I know I can be powerful. I know I can overcome it because you are a God who is faithful. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, there will be a group discussion again um, uh, for the leaders. And what we will be discussing is this question. What are your trials today? Name one to share with the group. Consider it joy to conquer it by simply being Christ-like as you deal with it. And the question is, can you now enjoy your Christ-likeness to be more like Christ starting today and for the rest of your life by conquering trials? Yes, no, why? Okay? But before that, I would like to ask, uh, uh, who is in charge of announcing? There you are. What's your name again, Anak? Bien, okay, bien. Okay. I apologize. I apologize if you don't understand the first time, but yeah. Hello everybody, can I get your attention? I'm just here to rap to you and give a simple message. We have an event going on from four to seven. If you end up coming, you might learn a lesson. I bet you're looking at me like, what do you mean? If you wanna find out, come here on the 18th. So come on out and hang with the youth. But if you don't like us, we still have some good food. Come in any attire, wear your shoes or your sandals. Wanna be together, exploring the Bible. All I really wanna say is that we'd like to invite you. If you wanna come, you can bring your friends too. Uh. Uh, that was pretty fast. I couldn't understand myself either. But uh, what I said, basically we have a youth service coming up on the 18th of January, which is next Saturday. And we would like to invite all of the youth and uh, encourage the high school students and to college that if you want to come, you know, come check it out because it's just a day for us as youth to be together, to build one another up. And I mean, if anything else, there's food there. So you can enjoy that. And uh, I'd just like to end it with this. In Matthew 18, 20, uh, it says, For when two or three are gathered together in your name, there I am among them. And so uh, in that, you know, uh, we'd like you to come out and 
just you know fellowship with us and grow together as a youth get to know each other and yeah January 18th from 4 to 7 p.m. be there